Welcome to a late night edition of the Blue Jay Beat Post Game Show. I'm your host, Matt DeMarinas. Um, I was going to fly solo tonight and just speed through this thing like a Creighton fast break in 2020 against DePaul, but uh, my good buddy Ravi Lula hit me up and he's ready to do some late night um, sicko stuff and analyzing this game with me. So um, I'm not flying solo. I got a teammate. Ravi, what's up, brother? Well, you know, I figured my insomnia should serve some purpose, so. Yeah. I appreciate you, sir. I think we're starting this on Michael Jordan's birthday, so this is our this is a goat pod right here. Um, it is, yeah. We still got seven minutes of the goat pod. That's right. Let's see how much quality we can get in in seven minutes. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of questions for tonight. People were going to keep me busy, so like I said, I wanted to be quick, and then everybody started asking questions. And I'm like, do y'all do y'all not hear that I said I wanted to be quick? Um, but yeah, uh, Jays win 71-59 over DePaul. Um, Something I'm going to call a quality road win. I know people aren't going to think of it like that because it's DePaul and probably a game that an NCAA tournament team, quote unquote, should win. But uh, Rutgers lost at Wintrust. Seton Hall lost at Wintrust. Uh, Xavier lost at home to this team. Um, Providence took needed overtime to win at the dunk. Uh, this isn't an easy group to put away. Um, I'm just saying that. So, this was, you know, I know people were, we were coming to that four game stretch and people, I think, assumed that Creighton needed to win all four games, Butler, Georgetown twice, DePaul. I was cutting that off at three because, and honestly, could have cut it off at two, but you got to beat Butler at home. I agree. You got to win both games against Georgetown. Those are can't lose. The DePaul game, I was considering a quality game. I think that was going to be a tough one either way. I think it played out that way. But now to see the result, I think it's impressive the way the Jays got the job done tonight. And I think it's it's nothing to sneeze at because DePaul hasn't been an easy out this year. Um, so a good win for the Jays and um, some good performances to highlight. Ravi being the guest, albeit a party crashing guest of some sorts, I'll still let you <laughs> uh, I'll still let you tee off the first bit of analysis that you some boxes you want to check. Um, just some things top of mind that come to you know, from your mind to your mouth in terms of why Creighton got this job done tonight in the way they did. Yeah. I mean, first I just kind of want to address what you were talking about. You're right. Creighton's not going to get a lot of credit for this win, but this was, I mean, this is not an easy win by any means. I mean, you have kind of the cliche of all conference road wins are hard, which to a certain extent is true. Um, but this team, especially, this is not an easy out. Um, as you mentioned, the the win at Xavier overtime against the number one team in the league, Providence. They've played a ton of teams close. They've gotten some wins. This is not an easy out with DePaul here, even though the record is is not great. Um, so I, I just wanted to start off with that. This is a this is a win they're not going to get a lot of credit for, but it is a good win, and. Um, I think they can feel pretty, they can feel way better about this win than they can. I think either of the Georgetown wins for sure. Um, so I'll start there. Uh, after that, I just, I was really impressed. Um, I know I was a little critical of, of Ryan Nemhart on Twitter, uh, mostly because of the, uh, of the floater game, which I am not a huge fan of. Um, but I thought he played really well. Um, Shot the ball okay, although not well from three. Outside of that, from two, he he shot, I believe it was seven for 12 from two-point range, which I'll take from him. Um, but the 19 points and six assists and only had three turnovers 
um, which I can live with that uh, ratio from a true freshman, especially on the road against big physical guards. Um, I was really impressed with him, and he's somebody that they're going to need to be good um, down the stretch here. I think they have to get a couple. I think they have to get a couple wins here um, to feel any kind of safe on the in terms of being on the bubble here uh, for the NCAA tournament. And they're going to need him to get those couple wins because the competition does get quite a bit tougher after this four game stretch where um, I thought they should go four and zero if they wanted to be an NCAA tournament team. Um, but I thought it, I didn't actually think they were going to. I thought they were going to drop either um, either this game or the game at Georgetown. So I was actually pretty impressed that they managed to go four and zero in the stretch here. And um, Ryan Nemhard, obviously, uh, like I said, is, is going to need to continue to play the way he did tonight. Um, but Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Kalkbrenner, the last couple of games have just been kind of on a different stratosphere from what, you know, they've had, they both had good moments throughout the year, but to have games where they're both getting it going together at the same time, um, that's really important. And it's really important for Creighton to, have multiple guys be going at the same time in their losses and in the times they've struggled offensively this year. And not that tonight was a, you know, dynamic offensive performance by any means, but when they've really struggled to score the ball this year and gone through those, through those extended droughts, it's because they don't have, they basically only have one guy going a game and no one's going to be no one guy outside of Doug McDermott that have we seen that can go 40 straight minutes of just being a bucket. Um, so the fact that they can get Hawkins going uh, at the same time as Marcus Agaroski deserves some. I think we've seen him do one man bucket sessions before, right? Texas Tech. I mean, a game, yes, for a game, yes. I'm talking about like for over the course of most of a season, though. Oh, I got you. wasn't doing that for like a whole year. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying now. Sorry. Um, and Creighton. I think for the first time kind of in this stretch has gotten, you know, today they had all three Ryans going really, really well. And if they can get three guys going, um, whether it's O'Connell in there, whether it's Alexander, whether it's Kaluma when he comes back, that'll be a big difference in terms of cutting those. I mean, listen, this is not probably going to be a dynamic offensive team at any point this year. Um, but if you can cut those, six, seven, eight minute droughts to two, three, four minute droughts. And you have kind of a, uh, a drought stopper in there that can make a huge difference on whether you win or lose ball games. Yeah. And you know, honestly, the, the you're right. The three Ryans did carry the show tonight, but in the first half, you know, it was really Hawkins was the only guy going offensively. Um, I think he had 13 points on five of nine shooting. It was three for five from three. And the rest of the team was uh, seven for twenty six, and then zero for nine from three. So he kind of and it was a it was a one point Creighton's, game at halftime, right? Uh, two point game after the buzzer oh, beater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he kept Creighton above water there in the first half with uh, you know getting off to the start that he did. He hit some. I mean, the first three hit was real tough, real deep, and then obviously the buzzer beater was massive because you know you're talking about being down one at half um, and no one's really going offensively. What, what does that look like? You know, it's just, I don't know. He, he's just been so good 
for them, especially when especially when no one else is, I think. I think that like he's the dude who has carried them most of mm-hmm. the time through stretches that could have looked a whole lot worse. So you talk about this young team, right, that, you know, you, you put all these young pieces together and you got a few veterans sprinkled in there. But I don't think without the addition of Ryan Hawkins in the offseason, this season looks anything like what it looks right now. I mean, he's been the man quite a few times to carry the load and just kind of settle everybody down because he can score in so many different ways. You know, he can – if the offense isn't – flowing just clear the right side of the floor or left side of the floor and let him post somebody up um stick him on the perimeter and run some dho actions with him and let him find a mismatch that he can raise up and shoot a three over uh pick and pop actions um you know he's really good his activity level on the glass he's always keeping plays alive for creighton to manufacture some points offensively when things aren't going well like he is just the dude that comes up with the big time plays when you probably don't think it's a big time moment. And I think that's what makes him most valuable is just his ability to be solid in so many different ways for this team. And I just, I don't even know where they'd be right now. Honestly, <laughs> it's one of those things where I don't know. I it, It's probably too much to say he deserves some Big East player of the year consideration because it's just, I don't know if Creighton's going to be in that spot, but I could easily see them being eight and 17 instead of 17 and eight, if they don't have him on the roster this year, that's how good, he's been when they need him to be. And tonight was no exception with 25 points, 11 rebounds, yeah. efficient shooting. I mean, I don't know if I would go as far to say as eight and 17, but I, I they're certainly not in the bubble conversation at all. Um, I think they're, I mean, I would have said probably closer to 500. I mean, so that, but that's still a five game drop. I mean, one guy being worth five games is still pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when he's never played at the division one level before. Uh, but you could tell the, what you're talking about is a guy that has been in a lot of big moments, albeit at the division two level. And it translated, I mean, his feel for the moment translated from D one to D two. And I don't know if that's something you, I don't know if that's something necessarily people predicted, but maybe it should have been because guys that kind of have that knack, tend to have it no matter what. And there might be other things that hold them back from a either talent or athleticism standpoint, although that hasn't really been the case with Hawkins. But guys that have that knack for the big moment tend to keep it, whether it's in, you know, pickup ball or church league or D2 or D1 or whatever. When you've got that, it usually doesn't go away. Um, so that, that's that been huge for them. I agree 100% there. Um, but what, what the, I do you think the lower level uh, division divisions are underrated? Like, do you think there's more of these um, these types of players that can provide this type of value to teams that are just missing a piece? You know what I mean? You're like, just imagine you're a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Because he went from D two, he played at a high level in D two, but he also the jump he made is also pretty significant too because he didn't go from D two to D one. He went from D two to high level D one. I think the high you know, level D one. I think in most of those lines, there's more of a gap there than people think, and he's covered it. And I wonder, like, how many more of players of his caliber are just going under the radar like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate and say that there's 
you know, I, I think Ryan Hawkins is a special player. Um, and, and so I don't want to not, I don't want to discredit his value anyway by exaggerating this, but there are definitely players at low, lower levels that can, that can play at, at much higher levels. I mean, I, I coached at a sub NAI level mm-hmm. and we had a guy dropping 72 on a high NAIA team and he's playing overseas right now. There's division one mm-hmm. guys that don't play overseas. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was a bucket. He averaged 30 points a game or more for three straight years. And he dropped a 40 bomb on oral Roberts when he was the only guy they had to guard, you know? <laughs> so there's ta- And this was sub NAI level, sir. Yeah, like this yeah. was, we're talking four full levels removed from division one. And he dropped a 40 burger on a division one team when they had to guard no one else. So like, yeah, there is a ton of talent at all of these different levels. And I'm not saying every roster in D2 or NAI has a guy like this, but there are guys like this sprinkled throughout the levels. And mm. I think there kind of always has been, I think there's fewer now because I think fewer guys fall through the cracks with huddle and, and all this kind of stuff and transferring up. But I mean, DePaul had one and Max Struess, that guy was a, a yeah, D3 he's, player. He's a leaguer. Now. Um, yeah. And he's in the league. Same Duncan, thing with uh, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. The other guy from the heat, Duncan Robinson, who was D3 Michigan, boom, NBA. Like there's guys out there that are way better than people realize. And to me, a lot of it is the fact that not everyone develops at the same pace, right? Mm-hmm. There's some guys mm-hmm. that, become awesome at 15 years old. And those are the guys that go D one. There's some guys that don't figure it out until they're 20. And those are the guys that are dropping 70 burgers in NAI, you know, like that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And because of the way the system is set up, not everybody who is a late bloomer is going to end up at the level they probably deserve to be at. But I'm glad guys like Ryan Hawkins certainly um, get the chance, but you can't tell me for a second that the guy I had, couldn't have cracked the rotation at Nebraska the way Nebraska's had guards the last few years. Like, yeah. I I'll believe that till the day I die. Got you. Yeah, Ryan Hawkins is special though, man. Like I just uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to discredit Ryan Hawkins. He is a special, special dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively tonight, Creighton was really good. I mean, uh, they. Well, I'll take it back. They were really good after about the maybe ten minute mark first half. <laughs> DePaul went. Yeah, DePaul had, DePaul had a stretch where they scored like ten of eleven possessions, and and then Creighton was struggling offensively, and I was like, this might not be a trend that Creighton wants to continue on. But the rest of the half, after I think they were down 22, 20 to thirteen or 22-15, I think both of those. Twenty two fifteen, I think, was the latest. Yeah. Um, and Creighton really made it tough for DePaul to score after that. You know, they 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 funneled them to the middle of the floor like the defense is designed to do. Made them, made them take tough twos. Made it tough for them to finish at the rim. Um, I, let me see what DePaul finished on layups. I don't know what they – it was pretty bad. They were 6 yeah, for they, 21 on layups in the second half. I know that. So, they really um, str- struggled around the rim for sure, especially Freeman Liberty. Um, yeah. And if, if they – if the refs didn't give him – a lot of trips to the aptly named charity stripe in the second half. <laughs> a, this game is not close, and B, his line looks even worse than it already does. 
which somehow he ended up with 18 points. Nine of them were at the free throw line. But yeah. that dude was one for 16 at one point. Yes, he was. And the one which was, is, and the one was a dunk on, on call that he got teed up for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, exactly. He gave up points on the play. Yeah, he. They were, I think he they, scored they were, three and he gave up two. So yeah, they, yeah, he was only a plus one on that, so that's not yeah. great. No, um, that's that's not a great. Uh, that's not a great net on a on a. And it, and it was his like second. That. And it was his second foul, I believe. So he had to go to the bench. After. Yeah, and that's when Creighton went on their run. Is yeah. after he put himself on the bench by by trying to flex on on Kalkbrenner. Um, I will say he did get his. Which I'm in favor he, of. I'm in favor. By the way, I'm not gonna like you know Kalkbrenner. I love him, but like I'm in favor of flexing when you dunk on someone's soul. That's totally fine. Hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, I actually but, think people. I actually think refs should not. It should be like an automatic like. Uh, you get a free free pass. Free like yeah. yeah, like you can you pass free flex on somebody. Right. Yeah. No technical fouls allowed when you poster somebody. Like that's just. When you catch a body, you can say whatever you want for that. Like you get like a five second buffer. Yeah. It, it, although Freeman Liberty did, uh, he did get get uh, paid back on by Ryan Nemhard. He did. He he was trying he was trying to line that thing up. You could see it because he does like the stagger step uh-huh. to try and get the timing right, and then he jumps and mid jump he's like, "Oh, this was a mistake." I like that. You know what I I think is funny about that is he kept his hands at his side like thinking yeah to act like he wasn't really going for it that's what i'm saying i hate that i that's a cop out because it was take your punishment like a man yeah if you're if you're gonna make a business decision don't leave the floor then i'll then then i'll respect the fact that you okay you let him have it you didn't get postered i'll I'll let you slide on it a little bit you know what i mean but if you go into the air i don't care where your hands are you were trying to meet that near the rim and he punched on you. That's a poster. Like you're on that thing, especially, especially because he did the steps right. He he, yeah. he knew what he was trying to do, and then he jumped, and then too late. He like I've seen guys do the steps and then run by because they're like, oh, can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll allow that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But once you leave the ground, you take your snow, your soul snatching like a man. Right. Yeah. You can't sneak out of that like with oh I didn't contest it or I didn't try to do i didn't try to block it like no you you got you got bodied it, that, that you happened. leave your feet you are you are officially part of the poster yes you're accepting you're accepting the violence is what happens yes so yeah that was that was nasty uh right our two did, did a little bit in high school too like he's sneaky he got some sneaky bounce especially when he gets like I, ahead of steam with his right hand like when he gets to his dominant hand in transition and there's no one there like yeah he'll he'll punch like that's I'll be honest. I didn't know he had it like that. I kind of assume that most guys at this level can do it at like at some point, you know, like whether it's kind of like tossing it to themselves in practice or whatever, but not everybody's a game dunker. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and even more people are not game dunkers on a body. Yeah. Right. And the fact that he hit, he hit it like that. That was what really shocked me. Like, if it had been like an open court situation on a run out, and he decides to throw one down, totally get it. But I, what I like the most about it is the fact that it was, it was kind of that, it was a direct result of the fact that he had just had a couple blocked, and he's like, "Not again." <laughs> like, we are not doing this again. We are finishing. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, I thought I thought Creighton did a good job adjusting to Jalen Terry too. Again, first half from first half from the game in Omaha and first half from tonight again, he got downhill, really, really picked apart Creighton's drop coverage and got to some of his kill spots. Uh, he was pretty effective in the first half in both meetings, not so much in the second half in either. Um, the first game was for a different reason, the pressure. Uh, this one, I just thought guys fought the dribble better. Um and just didn't let him get to those spots as easily. Like they were letting guys get there, you know, especially Javon Freeman Liberty and, uh, you know, trying to, they were trying to send McCauley downhill after David Jones got hurt early. Uh, Jalen Terry was, was the only guy who was kind of comfortable in that spot. So I thought they did a good job of just taking that, making that harder for him to do in the second half and making him play more on the perimeter. I think he did hit a three in the second half. Yeah. He was one for two from three in the second half, but Still, I think you'd rather have him taking half of his shots from behind the three-point line than getting into the teeth of the defense and getting to that mid-range game that he's really good at. You know, he can shoot the pull-up, he can shoot the floater, and he can get all the way to the rim, and he's really crafty around there too. So I thought Creighton did a good job of taking that part of the game away from him or or at least making it more difficult than it was in the first half because that was really hurting uh, the Jays' defense when – with what he was doing on the ball down there. Yeah. And um, the, McCauley had a moment too, where he, he got downhill a couple times in a row and it seemed like Creighton was having a hard time staying in front of him, but I, I thought they did a good job adjusting on both of those guys to give them a little more space on the perimeter and say, Hey, yeah, you, if you want, if you want to shoot this, um, go ahead and combine, they went three for nine from three and you'll take that. I mean, McCauley's actually a pretty decent three-point shooter, although not on a ton of volume. Yeah, um, he usually takes a couple of game, but he was one for four today, and you'll 100% live with that. It, but I think I think all four of them, if I'm not mistaken, all four were off the dribble tonight, which I don't think he's that great at. I think that's where you want him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's that's certainly your preferred um, your preferred shot to get from him, especially if it's the alternative is letting him get downhill. So um, yeah, I thought Creighton did a much better job of of denying the drives and, and kind of living with some shots that, that they were okay giving up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we jump into questions? I said, I wanted to keep this quick. So I'm, yeah, sure, let's the, do I'm it. sure the questions will have us here for a little bit longer. You're the driver, man. You tell me. Yes, sir. Um, first question is any update on Trace Mitchell? I swear to God, we get one of these every single day. <laughs> You don't have to read them. Well, I like to be respectful of people. I, we're pretty sure he's out for the season, even though they haven't like officially declared it, I don't think. But, yeah, he's, I don't think he's coming back. Him and, and Christopoulos is not expected to come back either. Yeah, I don't. either of those guys don't expect him back. So so just as a standing, please, we expect, we expect Kaluma to be back. Sharif and Christopoulos, we do not expect to be back. Yes. Please, please listen to that. <laughs> we should just do one of those you know how they do like cutouts on like the ringer and stuff we yeah. should just have that be the cutout just be like Sharif and John Grisophilus aren't playing anymore this year that's all <laughs> it's like every update like starting lineups <laughs> Nemhard, Alexander, O'Connell, Hawkins, Kalkmaner, Mitchell and Christophilus still out for the season I <laughs> well I used to have to do a uh I used to have to do an injury report every game and so I would. I was supposed to say that guys were out for the season, and I was like, they're out for the season. I don't want to say it every game. 
Yeah. Shouldn't have to, but yeah. That's it, what it, out for it, the season means. It's replaced the Mitch question this year because they can't ask about Mitch anymore. Why, why, does Mitch, <laughs> you know, why doesn't Mitch shoot enough? What's wrong um, with Mitch? Yeah. Why doesn't he shoot more? Um, Jacob Badilla has a couple of them. Uh, the first one is, would his basketball ability improve if he legally changed his name to Ryan? I, I think yes. But are there a lot of good uh, Ryans in basketball, though? I don't know. I honestly can't. Like Ryan Hollins is not a good bat. Was not a good basketball player. I mean, it depends on what you mean by good basketball player, right? Because Ryan Hollins played in the NBA, which makes him in the top like one percent of the world. I still don't know how that happened, but that's fair. Um, yeah, there's not a ton well. The of question, Ryans. the question is also, would Jacob's basketball ability improve? Yeah. So, so if it took Jacob from like an intramural player to a Division two player, then yes, he would improve. Do you think it would? I don't think it would make him improve that much, but I, I mean, it's Either. worth a shot. I don't know if Ryan Padilla really has a like a ring to it, but I'd get used to it. What kind of uh, what kind of uh, intramural player is Jacob anyway? You know, I've played pickup ball with him quite a bit. He uh, he's got a nice little game. He's got some crafty stuff on the inside. Uh, doesn't take a lot of outside jumpers, if I remember right. He's kind of a, I would call him like an undersized four, but he's got a nice skill set, high basketball IQ, like you would expect. Um, I'm pretty sure my game drives him crazy. So would it uh, turn, would it turn him into like a, you know, a stretch four pick and pop guy then? And that's the ceiling. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it it, it would allow him to shoot. Yeah, bit. maybe extend his range a little bit. Okay. Yeah, give it a shot, Jacob. Does <laughs> Ryan Padilla sound like Ryan Padilla? Honestly, Ryan Padilla sounds like a relief pitcher. Yeah, it does. It does sound like a baseball player. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like he's uh, he's pitching he's pitching in a setup role for the Phillies. Setup <laughs> role for the Phillies, really? So it's a bad bullpen pitcher then. Well, you know, he might have gotten drafted, and he's still uh, under team control. It's hard to say. I just dropped an Eminem in case you didn't know. I heard something. Um, where does where does that Ryan Nimhard dunk rank among Creighton's best plays this season? That's, I mean, I don't even know if I have like a top five plays of the season yet. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't have a list, but it's got to be in the conversation, right? Because. I, the element of surprise is certainly up there. Um, I think the the first time Ryan Hawkins punched on somebody is probably up there as well. I mean, is it better than the than the runner to beat SIU at the buzzer? That's pretty because tough. Because right? I because I hate his floater game so much. <laughs> they won the you won the game on that play. Oh, he won the game. I, I, under, I understand that, but it should have been an alley oop to call runner. Oh. <laughs> you I don't know, know I'm right. It's a, a higher, buzzer, a buzzer it's a higher beater. percentage play. A buzzer beater is tough to play. A buzzer beater is tough to stop. Tough to top, though. No, you're right. It is. It, but you know, he could have two plays in his t- in the top five. That's possible. Okay, so I'm going to say it's I, in the. Where's the, in the conversation? Five are like. I. Because I like Roddy, I, I want to put Roddy's assist from last week in there. <laughs> it wasn't um, an assist, though. It was a. 
Hawkins missed a shot. Well, I'm gonna pretend like Hawkins made it. So that not if he had made that, can you imagine? Um, oh, I would I would have lost it. Twitter would still not be here in the end of it. <laughs> um, wait, well, Hawkins dunking on uh, old boy from Butler or from BYU is up there. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner. there's got to be a Ryan Kalkbrenner's like Ryan Kalkbrenner blocked a shot against SIUE and then like was falling out of bounds and like threw it down court to. Trail Alexander for an AM one that I feel like was a big play in that game. I think that's one of the top plays I've seen this year. He also had a play like- against Eric Dixon where Dixon like tried to like run circles around him and got blocked like twice at the rim or something <laughs> like that. That was a big boy play. I feel like there has to be one of those really violent Kaluma dunks on there. Yeah, maybe. There's been a couple of them where I'm just like, oh no. I think it's a top He's 10 mad. play. I think it's a top 10 play. I that, that's fair. Probably that's top safe. five, but I can't think of the other ones. That's like too fresh in my head. Yeah, so you I don't, don't have a recency bias bias here. Yeah, I don't want to put it in the top five because then I'd have to go if I go back and watch and I'll, I'll end up knocking it down further and further. But I'll I think it's, top ten. I think it's safely in the top ten. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Okay. Ooh, this one's tough. Damn it, people. I said I wanted to be quick tonight. It would just mean. Andrew Berklin wants to know all conference teams and awards with three weeks left in conference play. Oh, geez. That is such a hard qu- – man, I swear. That's going to take us like half an hour alone. Um, There's three all-conference teams. Let's just do first team and awards. All three teams will take too long. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because I kind of asked tonight if Hawkins is what if there are six guys in the league having a better season than Hawkins. So, because you have to think six, because the player of the year doesn't get put on the list. So it's a player of the year plus five. Here's the problem: is that his his counting stats aren't like that good. Are they not? I mean, he's what, 13 and a half, seven and a half, basically, for this for the season. I forget. Remind me. It's, so I always get this wrong. Conference awards are for only conference play, right? God, I hope so. Okay, so let me. But then, I don't again, have but then, but then, but then, but then again, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why Miles Powell won Player of the Year a couple of years ago based on conference play alone. So, well, you know how I feel about that. That was, you know, uh, that was. But, um, so that Hawkins was just a pre-decided. Is, Hawkins is at fourteen and eight in conference. Yeah, fourteen and eight on forty percent three-point shooting. And he's averaging around two assists. Just a shade under one steal. And his assist to turnover ratio is even. One to one. It's a one 26 to 26 assist to turnover ratio. So I'm where does where does Kalkbrenner fit? Yeah, is he's at better... 11, he's at eleven and eight 
with Jesus. He's got to be like four, th- three blocks a game in conference. Uh, it looks like more. Four blocks a game in conference. I don't know if it's that. No, it's it's two point nine. So three. So yeah, so, three blocks a game. So he's at ten. He's at eleven, eight with three and three blocks. Shooting fifty five percent from the field, seventy six percent from the free throw line, which is amazing for a seven footer. Um, so like Sonogo's Sin- problem. What's Sonogo's numbers this year? Because I feel like his name recognition will get him the nod over Kalkbrenner. Yeah, see, Ken Palm has Sonogo in uh, in the top five on his his top five is Gillespie, Moore, Lewis, R.J. Cole, Adama Sonogo. So it's two Yukons, two Novas, one Marquette. I am not an R.J. Cole fan at all. Me either. I think he's bad. I don't think he's bad, but he's definitely not it. Bad is probably too aggressive. Overrated. I think he's. I mean, he's shooting. He's shooting thirty-three percent from three, and he's taking a ton of them. So like, and he's shooting like forty percent from the field, which is bad. Yeah, he's having like a Miles Powell type season. So probably the player of the year in the league. Um. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. Like, I'm. I'm just not. I'm not having the RJ Cole thing. Like, he's at 16 and four. Like, he doesn't even dish out a ton of assists for being a point guard. He still turns it over a couple times a game, and his shooting numbers are bad. I just. I have a really hard time. I have a really hard time putting him on first team. I Gillespie. I don't have a problem with. Um. More, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but I probably don't have a problem with it either. Um, Justin Moore, is it Justin? Yes. So I thought. Do you not cover this league? I do, but I just like I think in last names most of the time, and I'm trying to look up his stats. So Mm. Uh, let's see. So he's he's also not shooting the ball well from the field. Right at 40%. He's shooting 37 from three. I mean, he doesn't have a great argument either. He's at 15 and five. I mean, someone from Creighton has to be there. Like, I understand that the coaches are going to turn in, like, ballots early and everything, right? Because they usually do. But Creighton's nine and five. They have sole sole possession of third because they beat UConn. So it's it's really – Oh, you're right. It's tied for third with the head-to-head in favor of Creighton at the moment. Um. So Sonogo, like you can't have you it. can't have nobody on the on, if you're a top if you're a top four team you can't have nobody on the all conference first team can you in the top six I mean you can because a, a lot of times it's it is two from the top two but are they really going to have nobody from Providence on there I get that they're exactly. Like, Exactly. But that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't so Jared, shut out Providence. Jared Bynum's going to be on on there, right? Six assists a game, shooting, I don't know, really well from three all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Because Watson's not putting up great numbers this year, is he? Yeah, let's pull up the Big East uh, website and see what we got Like, here. so Sonogo is Sonogo's going 15 – this is for the whole season. I I'm, I don't have his stuff in front of me. Sonogo's got too whole, much. He's got too much hype around him not to be a first teamer. So Sonogo, especially because 
the numbers are good enough. Like he's 15, nine yeah. and two blocks a game. Like those are good enough numbers. I don't have a problem with that even. Yeah. And they left him off there in the preseason. They're not going to do that again and piss off UConn fans like that. So he's so like I, I, the only guys I have for sure right now are Gillespie's for sure. Going to make it. Yeah. Gillespie's the player of the year. Um, And I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with it. Um. And Sonogo is on there for sure. See, the thing that's tough is like, I think you almost have to go by like, you have to give a nod to order of finish this year more than ever before. Cause there's so many solid dudes. Yeah. There's like a, if I, if I say Ryan that, Hawkins, like, but like, think of like, you know, Tyrese Martin, uh, we, we already said RJ Cole, Justin Moore, Jared Roden, um, we haven't even said Julian Champagny yet. Dude's leading the league in scoring. Yeah, uh, David Jones, DePaul. Like Alex O'Connell's in there a little bit. We haven't even said any of Xavier's dudes. Nunji, Scruggs. Um, yeah, Nunji's been really good. So that's what I mean. There's like a lot of dudes in like that. There's not a whole lot of t- – uh, and we said Cockbinner too because of, you know, you know, his value. So like, yeah, there's just – it's tough, man. I don't know. This might be the hardest year to pick six. I think the difference between one and like 15 is pretty negligible. So if I, I think there's three that I know for sure. What's going on over there? Is that, are you dying? No, that was just my dryer. Okay. I think there are three that are locks. I think Gillespie, Sonogo, and Dustin Lewis for Marquette. Oh yeah, yeah, Lewis. Sorry, yeah. I think those are three. I think the three of those guys are locks, and I think the other three, you could. I think it's gonna be like. I think you seriously could choose from like ten or maybe even fifteen dudes, and you could make an argument. That's what I'm saying. Like, are you really gonna leave Champagne off the top six? He's leading the league in scoring. Are you really gonna leave Justin Moore out of there? Jared Roden, R.J. Cole. You know, like I've like I said before, Amini Muhammad, uh, Tyrese Martin, Nate Watson, Hawkins, Kalkbenner, uh, um, O'Connell. Honestly, I think O'Connell gets left off. He Jared, makes Jared Bynum, Jared Bynum, like eh, I'm, I think Bynum's in that next group down. It's tough, dude. I don't know. I can only name three. I only, I, there are only three on there for me right now. I think it's everything. I think else. there's everything else needs think, to play out. I think there's three that you can't say no to, and probably nope. Champagne because he's leading the league in scoring. Yeah. So what's the question, right? Oh, you're, oh, you're just, you're saying Champagne for sure. I think, I mean, are they really going to leave the leading score off first team? That's a good question. I don't know. Have, have they ever done that? That's a good question. I don't think they have because they were obsessed with Howard and Powell for so long, and they were leading the scoring for the last, like, I don't know, five years or whatever. All right, so if we're doing all-conference teams and awards, we have four locks. I've got uh, Julian yeah, Champagne, Colin Gillespie. Sonogo. Uh, Adama Sonogo. And, and Justin, Justin Lewis. Lewis. And then my player of the year. I think my, my player of the year is Gillespie. Which I'm fine with. And I don't. Even, um, I don't even. I honestly think by the time it's over, it won't be close. Like I think it'll be easy. 
who is the best player on uh, I mean who's putting up the best numbers on Providence right now? Oh, God. They're such a fake team. Because like what's Watson's not put like Watson's numbers last year would get him on. But this year he's only at like 14 and six. He's not blocking any shots. Like I don't it's his fifth freaking year in the league. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's at 14 and 6, and he's, I mean, he's shooting 60, 56% from the field. So he's leading the league in field goal percentage. But you're going to be big heavy at that point because there's he's no way they're not even, go He's off. not even in the conversation and blocked shots. So he's basically just scoring rebound. I just, I, I, I would be really surprised if there's nobody from Providence. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing Providence hasn't, has played the easiest schedule in the league, okay? I know, <laughs> and they're gonna stay. It's gonna stay that way. But the but down the stretch, it's tough. They're gonna play. They're gonna they play Creighton. Xavier again. They're gonna play Creighton. They're gonna play Villanova on the road. Um, who else do they have? One more with Seton. No, they don't get Seton Hall again. Who else do they get? They get. Oh, they go at. They're at Hinkle. I don't know. This seems trash, though. I don't. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they do get shut out of first team. I was just looking at their here's the, at the roster, and I was like, nope, 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 dude. That's the, that's what I mean. Like, I don't really care about the. Dis- I, I understand that they're upset about being disrespected, but I just don't care. They're. I just don't. They're they're they're, they're eleven and two in the league. <laughs> their team. And they got pasted trash. by Virginia. They got pasted by Marquette. They lost Not a at, good Virginia team, by the way. Yeah, they lost at home to Nova in gave up 89 points in the biggest game of their program's history. Like they were chasing Nova the whole time. And they beat DePaul in overtime at home, beat St. John's by four, Marquette at the buzzer, Xavier at the buzzer. Yeah, they've been dancing through raindrops for a while. You know what I'm saying? I just don't yeah. give a rat's ass. Like they beat you, <laughs> they beat UConn without Sonogo. They beat Seton Hall by five without Obiagu, Tyrese Samuel, and it was right off a pause for Seton Hall. Like I just don't care. I don't. I, if they want to be the, the team that's disrespected, I just don't care. I don't. I don't. Like I. Yeah. Like have. I'm have fine. Chip on your shoulder. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just calling it like it is. If they get to the. If they get the Big East title this year, it's a disastrous. I'm. I'm. I don't. I don't care anymore. Like I know that they want some fairness, and they want their respect, but I feel like I'm giving them their respect. You can't just like walk through all of these like extreme circumstances and not allow the outsiders to acknowledge that you got had a lucky break or 50 this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I just don't I just let's be honest. So yeah, when I look at their roster and then I look at like just imagine that they played at UConn at Seton Hall at Creighton. Are they eleven and two? I don't think so. Like no, and we got that lovely news today that they they are unfortunately not able to reschedule that at Creighton. Which game. yeah, basically confirms what we all knew. But I mean, their win over UConn were... again. They didn't. UConn didn't have Sonogo, and Tyrese Martin like was just about. coming off of an injury. So so UConn didn't have their best player. Uh, Seton Hall didn't have their best rim protector and their backup rim protector, and they were coming off a pause. Then they have the win. In overtime at home over DePaul, again, they were chasing the whole way, and DePaul did not have Javon Freeman Liberty in that one. Uh, they and, beat, they're, and they're ducking Creighton. 
Yeah, and they're only getting Creighton at home. Like, I just don't care. And they're going to play Butler on the road at Hinkle, and Butler didn't have Enzi or Hodges for this last game, so they might even get a depleted Butler team for the second time. And we've seen how different Butler is with Hodges and and Yeah, especially healthy, with Hodges. Right? Exactly. When they've got Hodges. They're a different they're a different ball club. Yeah, so I mean, I just don't care, dude. I just don't I don't if they want to be <laughs> if they want to be how dare you disrespect us, I just don't care anymore. So if Jared Bynum like I'm just not going to make the argument for it, man. I'm just not. You're right. I don't. I, I was just. He's 46 percent from three this year, but I'm pretty sure. Let me do the math here. He's only taking like three a game. 15, 17. Hold on. Oh, of course, my pen runs out of ink. 17 for. Yeah, what's 17 for 26? What's that? Uh, really good. Um, I don't yeah, know. so he's almost sixty. He's sixty-five percent from three in the last four games, but they've come against St. John's, Georgetown, DePaul, and Nova. Three of those teams are the worst three-point defenses in the. In the league. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Before that, he yeah. was zero for three, one for two, two for three, one for three, zero for three, two for five. Like more normal human shooting numbers, right? Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? I don't. I'm not putting him on first team. No. He can maybe have third team or honorable mention if I'm yeah. generous. And then Al Durham shooting 21% from – he's shooting 40%. He's from, shooting 33% for the season. He's shooting 33% yeah. from the field. Yeah, Al Durham shooting, Al Durham shooting 41%. <laughs> Al Durham shooting 41% from two on 150 attempts, and he's 21% from three on 90 attempts. Bro, stop shooting threes, first of all. Like, stop shooting. Yeah. Stop shooting. So yeah, he's shot he shot 30 more threes, almost 30 more threes than Bynum. And he's at 25% from the field. <laughs> he's he's he, if he wasn't shoot he's 85% from the free throw line on 170 attempts. Like if he wasn't living at the line every single day, he wouldn't even be yeah, he's not in the conversation at all in my opinion. No, I I wasn't even that's why I didn't even bring Durham up. He has 1 2 3 4 5 Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games this year where he's attempted at least eight free throws. Like <laughs> that dude is just stealing points. He's and then you mentioned Nate like, Watson, who's you know for a fine for a sixth year like all league big man. He's, he's, he's just not playing. Fine. He's not out playing Kalkbrenner, right? He hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't no, he's not playing Kalkbrenner. Yeah. He's not out playing Sonogo. Best case scenario, Watson is your third team big. Yeah, so none of those guys are, and that's if you don't want to put Obiagu ahead of him. Yeah, so if we're so the question to start this whole thing off was like, does Creighton get snubbed if they finish top four? And you're like, yeah, maybe. Well, Providence is kind of that team. Providence is going to finish top four, and I don't think any of their guys are first team in the top. No, six. I don't, I don't think, think so. any of their guys I, are in the top six. I, I honestly, I I don't think Creighton's going to get anybody on the first team. They probably the Hawkins probably deserves to be. Uh, I I understand the argument for Sonogo over Kalkbrenner. Like I'm I, I take, I probably take Kalkbrenner because I think he affects the entire defense more. But I'm okay with Sonogo. He's he's having a good year. Um, but I think Creighton is going to get you know two guys on second team, two guys on third team. Like I think they'll be well represented on down ballot. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably accurate. But also, I can make they're super argue, the balanced. argument. The argument for Kalkbrenner is Creighton's the top defense in the league right now, and the and, and, it's, and it's and it's because of him. So like that's the argument for him. And they're one of the top 
two point like around the rim defenses in the country. Like yes. they're, and yeah. it's entirely because of him, for sure. But voters are stupid and don't look at things like defense. <laughs> I mean, what was the who's Del, didn't Delgado win Defensive Player of the Year or something when it should have been Tyshawn? I mean, come on. No, Romaro Gill won it. Oh, Romaro Gill, yeah, just some idiot that blocks shots all the time, and it's like Tyshawn is just shutting everyone down. We don't need to rehash that. Uh, JB Davis, how does Creighton next season replace the production of Hawkins and O'Connell? Man, that's going to be the million dollar question all offseason, all preseason, all preseason, all non conference season. Like, it's, it's that question is going to be hanging over the 2022 23 Jays until like, well, listen, the until answers new, are there. We at just, least until New Year's. Like, it's going to be, you're going to be wondering. The, the answers are there. We just don't know if they're good enough answers. Because the answers are Kaluma taking a step from freshman year to sophomore year. Yeah. And Mason Miller being a four-star forward. Like, those are the answers. Are the answers good enough? I don't know. But those are the answers. Yeah, fair. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, honestly, and the transfer portal might answer transfer that portal. question, too. Also, they need some shooting. Think, they're not going to – you're not going to – if you think they're a bad shooting team from three this year, take, <laughs> take Hawkins and O'Connell out of that equation and – there's a lot. There's a lot of question marks after that. After all of a sudden, you know, and I don't think it's out of the question that they go back to like a, a more of a three guard lineup and Trey Alexander gets in there and gets some of those minutes too. Um, but you know, that's uh, again not necessarily an improved shooting lineup. I do think some of the guys that are freshmen right now struggling shooting will shoot better, but they do need shooting help. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a tough one to answer too. Um, R2 dunked the ball for R2 dunked that ball for call. How he probably would have done a reverse if JL, JFL was not defending that. I don't think that's true. That would have been ridiculous. Um, how tight are the younger two Ryans off the court? I don't know. I'm not really sure who, like, if there are clicks on this team or not. I mean, they all seem to get along pretty well, which I think explains yeah. 17 and 8 more than anything. Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a team that seems to like the, I know people overrate this sometimes, but like the bench chemistry and the energy on the bench seems to be good. I I would guess this team in general gets along fairly well, but I don't have any, I don't have any specific knowledge to that. Just the vibe I get. Yeah, I don't either. Um, What do we need to do to get this foul reckless recklessness situation under control? It's uh, I get it's part of the freshman growing pains, and I can deal with that. But it's not just the freshman. She references Alex O'Connell. Is that just a lack of team chemistry? Any insight? I don't really, I don't really get that question. Um, let me see. I think I think they're saying that we are reckless when we foul people. Like we foul people at stupid times. Oh, that's kind of what I mean, I got from it. yeah. That's uh, I guess that's fair. I mean, it's probably a little recency bias, though, because I thought the fouls were a little unusual, unusually high against Georgetown. And then tonight, I mean, I honestly didn't see what any of them, I There were like four of them that I was like, I don't know what they saw there. Like, there's, there was no contact on that play. So, yeah, I tend to agree. I also, I mean, this is an inexperienced team. Even though Alex O'Connell is in his last year of eligibility, he's never played a lot of basketball in college. This is the first time. So, yeah. there's an inexperienced factor with him despite the fact that he's pretty uh, he's done with his 
basketball or his college basketball career after this. Um, even and Hawkins, I don't think really has that problem. I think he's fine. And then the rest of it's younger guys, you know, Roddy, um, Nemhard, Trey Alexander, which the Trey Alexander ones tonight were garbage. Like, I don't even know where to start there, but yeah. those were bad calls. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one particularly in the lane where he just didn't touch the guy at all. And I, you know, it's just, it is what it is at that point. It's, it's just bad biggies officiating, but I think specifically the ones that I'm thinking of were late in the game where Roddy fouled the guy when he really shouldn't have, but I also didn't think he fouled him. Um, I think that's just an experience in general. Yeah. Hard to disagree. I also don't really, I, I don't know if there was like a whole lot of dumb stuff happening tonight. I just, Again, I think DePaul's pretty good, and DePaul's a tough out and yeah. great one by double digits on the road. Like I'm happy with it. Yeah, I I I want to think most of that question is like based on, uh, maybe like a standard for Creighton and DePaul, and I just yeah, I think uh, I think Creighton played pretty well tonight. I mean, I think their offensive, I think their pace offensively. First of all, if we're gonna highlight like an area that I think needs to get better, especially for this last five, for these last mm-hmm. five games. Where they, like their pace offensively is really um, problematic right now because they, they just can't wear teams out. They're, they're too – they're looking for mismatches and they're, and they're getting themselves into too many ISO situations. And I'm just not sure if they can serve – if they can win games like that against Marquette, Providence, uh, St. Yeah, John's on the no- road, like – they got. I think they got to. I think they got to find their pace again offensively, especially in the quarter court. Because right now you're seeing guys. It's just like catch the ball, read the defense, call for a ball screen, attack it, get stopped, kick it back out. Next guy with the ball waits for a ball screen, does the same thing. Like there's the ball needs to move with purpose, and guys need to be cutting. Yeah. They need to pass, cut screen like everybody needs to be flowing off of that and and things open up with that because your defense has to start rotating you create mm-hmm. communication issues scrambling you get teams scrambling uh right now there's just two like defenses are just loading up too much against creighton's offense right now and i think that's going to be a problem down the stretch if they don't get that that pace reestablished in the quarter court especially yeah um, i mean i i, I tend okay, to agree ahead. and also they just don't have players that are good enough in those ISO situations to make that a sustainable method. Yeah. I mean, like Hawkins can score in ISOs. Nemhard's, you know, shifty enough where he can give him, give himself an angle with some leverage where he can score. But yeah, like who else? Right. No, I'm not. A, even those guys, not on a consistent basis. Right. Like, you know, I think Hawkins is a pretty consistent ISO scorer. Don't you think? Like he, he, <sighs> I don't think he needs a whole lot of like, just get him the ball, get out. I think he's a get the get him the ball, get out of the way type of guy, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, if you get him, yeah, if you get him the ball in the right spots, yeah. But really, because I think keep... he can. Ba- I think he's like had the ball like third, like twenty feet, and he just backs everybody down. And once he gets to like around six, then he starts using his up and under moves. Like, and I think he's. I've seen him do that to guys who are bigger, smaller. It doesn't even matter. Like he's just really good at getting low and using his hips and driving guys. I just don't think you can count on that to be the basis of your offense. I know, Robbie, but that's what they've been doing. They're nine and five in the big East with that. It's like, they're, I, they, that's I what they, that. they've been living like that so far. 
Yeah, and they've been a bad offensive team for most of the year. It's true, but I mean, they also that's how they live. They're living, <laughs> living dangerously. That. Yeah. I get that, but if they want to be a better offensive team, they have to find better options than what they've been doing, right? And right. I don't know that those options exist, but yes, they've they've been winning games up to this point doing that, but they've like you said, they've been living dangerously. Yeah. I mean, they did score one point or just under 1.2 points per possession in the second half tonight. So that was pretty good. So you talk, I think you asked me on the pregame show before the second Georgetown game if Creighton was finding something offensively. I mean, their efficiency has been pretty good the last three. It's, it's been it's been better. Again, yeah, Georgetown's really bad, but I thought again, – Georgetown's tonight, hideous. Looked, like, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But I thought, especially second half tonight, it looked a lot better. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Brian wants to know, why is Creighton the last team in – out of the Big East when they are tied for third. Shouldn't Seton Hall and Xavier be sweating more? Also, how great would it be to have beaten Xavier just once? Well, first of all, I guess Creighton is the last team in on most brackets because conference standings don't matter. That's number one. Yeah, they're the their net ranking is just the lowest. I mean, they're they're 71. They were 71. Yeah, most of their metrics the aren't super favorable. KPI is 50, strength of record is 58, BPI was 88, Kempom 71, Sagarin 58. So like none of their metrics are super um but also you know, oh, I mean, so it's they, not yeah, they just I mean, they they've lost they they they're, they've they haven't performed well offensively. And they have yes. some losses that make you go, ugh, like, you yeah, know. the Arizona State loss, the at loss at Butler were both bad losses. And they were blowout um, losses. They got blown out by Seton Hall. They got blown out by yeah. Nova. Um, yeah. I think Seton Hall should be sweating a lot now that they're after their loss to UConn yesterday. You think so? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, I, th- I think they're in a fair bit of trouble. I think Xavier is the team that needs to start sweating. Xavier, I mean, yeah, Xavier, Xavier has home losses to St. John's and DePaul, and those are not going to look good at the end of the day. So, and if you, I think their schedule actually, let me see their remaining schedule. I don't know if they don't have a lot of chances on the way out. Well, I think that's the problem. <laughs> I think they've got too many losable games left. Yeah, they're oh, so Xavier, okay. Xavier. So Xavier's lost three of four. Right now, yeah, they're in a bad way right now. They've lost three of four. The home, the win is nice. It's a home win over UConn. So again, UConn's very generous, like with their, you know, with their fraudulent ways of just giving teams quality <laughs> wins while acting like the big shot in the league. Um, yeah, so Xavier's lost three of four. They've lost five of eight. Um, so they, and like they lost at home to DePaul, then they lost on the road at Seton Hall, which was you know a competitive game. It wasn't. I mean. They made it competitive at the end, I should say. And then they bounced back and beat UConn at home. But then they laid an egg at home. I mean, they didn't. that game against St. John's was not – like, they didn't lose close. They got run out of their own gym. Um, but their last five are at UConn, at Providence, home game against Seton Hall, at St. John's, who just dog-walked them, and then they have the home game against Georgetown to end the season. So, like, one win you can check for sure. That gives them 18. I do the other four. I don't know. Like, so they might be 18 and 12 going into the Big East tournament. They very well yeah. could be. Yeah, you're right. Um, so but if, you're, if, you, if Xavier's Hall, 18 and 12, if Xavier's 18 and 12 going into the Big East tournament with 
wins over Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, Marquette, two over Creighton, one over UConn. Is that enough? Maybe. I, maybe. Because here's my, my, to... thing, my thing coming into tonight after Xavier got whipped by St. John's was I, I think there's three teams in Creighton, Seton Hall, and Xavier, and I think only two of them are making the tournament. I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be a seven-bid league the way a lot of brackets have it right now. I think it probably ends up at six. Yeah. Um, and I don't know – I suppose I don't know which of the of the of those three teams don't make it. I mean, if you, I'm looking at Seton Hall's left, they've got DePaul, Butler – Xavier, Georgetown, Creighton. So DePaul, Butler, and Georgetown should all be wins. That get that gets them to 18. If Xavier continues to play poorly, that gets them to 19. And then I think Creighton gets them at home. I think Creighton gets them at home on senior night mm-hmm. um, because Creighton plays really well against Seton Hall at home. Uh, so, you know, let's say Seton Hall gets to 19. Xavier's at 18 call Creighton at 19 or 20. Yeah, Xavier very well could be the the odd the odd man out there. Yeah, see here's my thing. Like I think it's between Creighton and Xavier for the sixth and final spot. Cause I think Seton Hall's schedule is soft enough down the stretch and their wins over Texas, Michigan, Yukon, Creighton. I mean the Xavier. The Michigan. Michigan just beat Iowa tonight on the road. So like that that win's getting a lot better. It is, but Michigan and, and Xavier are both bubble teams. Like those aren't as good of wins as they but if you want if you want to win the tournament, you gotta beat bubble teams because you're not I get that. So Michigan Seton Hall's beaten Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Texas, and then they've beaten um they've beaten Yukon, Creighton, Xavier. Yeah, that's their quality wins. And then they have close losses to Ohio State, Villanova, Providence off of a pause, uh, Marquette on the road. Like their their losses, they have they don't have any like eye opening like what the hell was that type of losses except for DePaul on the road, which again was a weird, it was a weird game, um, but they only lost by four, and I think DePaul's not a bad loss. So there, I, I mean, you and I, I think they're safer. That. I think they're safer than Xavier and Creighton. You and I know that about DePaul, but that's still going to look like a bad loss. That's fine, but it's still Seton Hall's only bad one. That's fair. And it's not, and and it's not be... worse. And it's not worse than Arizona State or St. John's that like Xavier has. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. So I think that I think the sixth spot is coming down to I think that I think six, I think six are making it. And I think it's Nova Providence. Uh, <laughs> although, how funny would it be? <laughs> If the committee is like super hyper aware of Providence's circumstances this year and like <laughs> they lose like four on the way out and they're like, nope, <laughs> just hang on with me here. Cause like, let's, let's look at this for a second. Cause the win at Wisconsin was without Johnny Davis. They won by five. Okay. Yep. Uh, they beat Northwestern on a neutral floor. That's probably like going to hang on to it. That's going to stay a quality win. Texas at home, Texas tech at home. That'll stay a quality win. Uh, but they got whipped by Virginia. They only scored 40 points in that one. Um, they beat UConn on the road without Sonogo, beat Seton Hall by five at home without Obiagu, Tyree Samuel, and Seton Hall was coming off of a 
17-day pause, 16-day pause. Okay. Okay. Then they got absolutely blown out of the country by Marquette. 8856. <laughs> like that was one of the most that was that was the performance of the year. Um beat St. John's with a late flurry. Uh beat Georgetown by eight at home. Okay. Beat Butler by seven at home. Beat Xavier at the buzzer. Beat Marquette at the buzzer. Beat St. John's by four. Uh Jared Bynum went off for like 32 points in the second half to beat Georgetown. DePaul in overtime, and they just lost to Villanova. And they have Butler, Xavier, Creighton, Villanova. Now I'm just saying, like, if the committee's like hyper aware of their circumstances and they decide to like X out the Wisconsin win, the <laughs> the Yukon win, the Seton Hall win, like <laughs> all of a sudden they're, they're <laughs> there's not much to stand on there. I'm I'm obviously kidding because they're gonna make the tournament, but Providence, Marquette, Villanova, uh Marquette, I think are four locks. And then, you said Marquette twice. Yukon, you mean? Yeah, UConn, sorry. Yeah. Providence, Marquette, UConn, Villanova. Yeah, four locks. And then I think two of Xavier, Creighton, and Seton Hall are making the tournament. And I think Seton Hall I think is that's the right. I think Seton Hall is the safest of the three. And then I think Xavier is the one trending in the wrong direction of the three. And Creighton's trending in the right direction of the three. So like I just think two of those three are making it. And that's the end of the story for the big east, in my opinion. I think that's right. I think six are making it, not seven. Okay. Um, I would, I would not, I don't feel as safe about Seton Hall as you do, but I, other than that, I do think it'll be two of those three. Okay. Um, we're already at an hour, so I'm pissed. I'm already pissed. Um, I didn't do it. I'm just, I'm just following. Okay. Uh, this is from a burner, even though it says def not a burner, it's definitely a burner. <laughs> And I actually know it's one of three people, so just based on, you know, my sleuthing skills. How nice is Sweeping Marquette going to feel on Sunday? I'll let you answer that one. Um, I don't want to put any bad juju out in the universe. I just hope Crane plays well. That's that's it? Yep. I mean, if Creighton sweeps Marquette, it's going to feel really nice because that's going to, like, put them securely on the right side of the bubble. I think a lot of people, like, nationally will – be on the Creighton wagon wagon because if they it'll do be five Marquette, wins in a row, there'll be five in a row and it'll be six. It'll be a six and one record in February, which is just like chef's kiss, right? Like yes. calendar turns to February. You want to start racking up dubs. When you do that, you become a media darling and your momentum carries you. And then every time the selection committee brings you up, they go, Oh, that team did good in February. Six, six and one in February. Yum, 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 yum. February. Good stuff. You know? So like, yep. yeah. Win on Sunday, and yeah, people are going to be loving Creighton. I, I, if they can win, if they can, I would like them to at least split the Marquette and the Seton Hall games at home. Um, that would be really good if they can win one of those. And then is that splitting the the season series, right? What's that? That's splitting the season series with those two. Well, no, because they already lost to. Well, they lost to Seton Hall, so it could they could either sweep. Yeah, but just ten Marquette. seconds ago, you said they're not losing to Seton Hall on Senior Day. So, you're right. Okay, so I, I think they can beat Marquette at home. I, I don't think that's impossible. By well, yeah, especially the way Marquette's, Marquette's not playing great right now. So, yeah, yeah. After that, after that heater they went on, they've come back to earth quite a bit. Um, so I, I don't think it's out of the out of the stretch of imagination at all. But if they can, if I can get a split between those two. And they can win one of the uh, two road games that are left. I'll feel pretty good. 
Okay. Um, JT Hudson wants to know when is Dollar Beer Night and can it be Sunday? I think I it think can they be. Already had it. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Providence. <laughs> oh, those jerks! Providence ruined it. <laughs> and they're not even rescheduling it. What nope. a bunch of jerks. Nope. I'm gonna rant on Providence so much the rest of the season just because, like, I'm just sick of it. <laughs> they're they're ducking Creighton, ducking everybody. Um, I think it can be Sunday. I think it can also be every day. The last how many home games are left? Marquette, UConn, Seton Hall. Three. Yeah, there's three home games left. Let's just go three for three. Let's go. Yeah. Do a dollar beer night every night the rest of the year. Somebody make a call. No, we just did it. We just we just set it up. Okay. So we just told people. So go to the concession stand and just throw them a dollar and just tell them to give you a beer. Well, you can't hand them cash anymore. They don't take cash. Oh, well, then just like, yeah. Uh, just put the card in, and then the next day, just dispute the charges to the <laughs> – don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> dispute the charges to the difference. You know, like, hey, it was dollar beer night. Yada yada yada. These two guys said not, it. I'm not advocating for this method. I'm you on work the record. At, you work at PayPal, right? You can you can make this happen. Can't you no, make, this happen? make this happen? You can make this no. happen. <laughs> I cannot make this. Ravi happen. can make this happen. People this like go to not go what to, I do. Go to Ravi. He's. He does this for a living. He can do this. This is not what I do for a living. You don't. You can't. You can't finagle some some like refunds for no, people. I cannot. I, I thought you were like First a, of all. I thought you were like a fraud detector guy. Well, I used to be a fraud investigator, um, okay. but first of all, I. I'm fairly certain that PayPal does not process the transactions for the CHI Health Center, which would make it impossible for me to do something, even if that was my job. All right, small Secondly, hurdle. Small hurdle there. Secondly, that is not my job. I investigate government sanctions. Um okay. So we'll have to we'll have to work out something, but Ravi will help. <laughs> I will not help. <laughs> He'll help. He's a very helpful dude. He wants to help. He's just saying this on on the recording now to cover his ass a little bit. He'll help. Pay you. full price for your beers. <laughs> $1. Um, hey, whatever the marked price is for your beers. <laughs> we have a follow-up question from Caitlin to wrap up our show. Uh, how am I supposed to sleep after that R2 dunk? Um, well, I don't recommend, like, drugs. So, so well, we have that to was going to be my suggestion. So. Oh, was it going to be? <laughs> Hold up. So you're no. not going to help people get their money back for dollar beers, but you'll help them. OD on drugs to sleep. That's I'm not saying OD. Well, that's like a slippery slope, Robbie. Haven't you ever taken Dare before, like back in the day? Yeah, I when I took Dare, I was under the impression that people would be offering me free drugs a lot more than they do. <laughs> Same. Like, wait a second. <laughs> I was wildly disappointed in adult when I when I realized, hey, there are not free drugs around every corner. Procuring these recreational. Supplements is not as easy as you guys made it out to be. <laughs> and I've gotten in a lot more trouble with them in it. So what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. How should how should one sleep after that dunk? Should one sleep after that dunk? Maybe, Maybe just stay up all night. Yeah. Just party. Enjoy That's it. A, yeah, just Replay watch it. it. Just watch it. Possible. Yeah, watch it as many times as possible until you fall asleep out of like natural, you know, exhaustion. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Hold on. I've got it. So just watch it on a loop until your adrenaline spikes so much 
that once you crash, you will fall right asleep. Okay. Yeah. And then hopefully you don't have a whole lot to do tomorrow, you know? Yeah. I, I like hopefully, hopefully you're re- working remotely and you don't have a check-in and you can kind of just log the computer on and it'll show that you're active and there, she, she there aren't any meetings or anything like that. She didn't ask us how to be product- productive tomorrow. She asked us how to sleep tonight. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So we can't. We not not my problem. Not my problem. <laughs> Your job security is not my problem. Robbie's not being very <laughs> helpful. He's not helping people get refunds and he's getting people fired. Like, this is not that the is way. That is credit card fraud. Don't do that. It to, So it's credit card fraud to like pay for something and then dispute the charges later? If it is not a legitimate dispute. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, just, I mean, plead ignorance or something. <laughs> no, because I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> no one's listening to this point anyway. Uh, hey, not, no. hey, Ravi, thanks for hopping on and recording with me. I'm sorry we took yeah. over an hour. I didn't want to, but it happened. It's okay. I'm not going to be asleep anytime soon anyway. Me either. But we had fun. We always do. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Although you're all jerks because I said... I wanted to keep it quick and y'all asked like 15 questions. That's not how a quick podcast happens. Yeah. On the time where we have on the days where we have like all afternoon to do a pod, we get like three questions. Tonight We get like a dozen. What is that? Right. Come on now. And and most of the questions were like long drawn out, like debate. They were real questions. Yeah. Only, only Jacob had the one ridiculous one. It wasn't like how, cool was it? It was, like, how cool was it to <laughs> see Ryan Hawkins score 25? And we're just like, it was very cool. Next question. Like, they were all <laughs> sons of bitches. They were all, they were all real questions. Yeah. Jerks. They like, they required thought processes and debate. Somebody wanted us to name an entire three team all Big East. What? <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, um, that's a, that's a, that's a podcast. So we'll wrap that up and, I mean, you better listen to it because we got podcasts coming on Sunday after Marquette and then Scurry, Jordan Scurry and I are going to get another Scurry in the Scrub going on Monday. So I don't want to hear you all bitching about like too many podcasts because you made this one go long. It was going to be quick. And then you had to ask all these like, you know, what is Robbie going to name his like 17th child question, stuff like that, you know? Whoa, so, no children, no children. Uh, 17th dog that, you know. Thank you. So, thank you. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you, Robbie, for hopping on with me. Absolutely. Just a, just a random, beautiful friend texting you in the middle of the night going, hey, you don't have to record alone. You know, just like being the angel on the shoulder I didn't really need at the time. But I was like, <laughs> hey, that's cool. It's nice of him to reach out and offer, offer to talk some words with me. I do what I can. I feel, I feel like I exploit you so much on the radio. I have to give back where I can. Bro, it's not exploitation. It's what I do. <laughs> You're like, I call you too much. I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to be covering the game. It's totally fine. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. I do. So cool. So we, so I did your pregame show today, right? And then you did yeah, my postgame show. I did your post. Yeah. So that was like a full day of like us, you know, just like, you know, helping each other out there. Watching hoops and being bros. Being bros. That's right. We're basketball bros. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Have a good week.